Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join me, Natasha Smith, and my guests for an exclusive six-episode series of the Can You Just Sit With Me podcast. Each episode is filled with hard yet needed conversations about loss, grief, and suffering. Come and sit with us for hope and healing for your journey. Listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. So have you ever had a moment when you wanted to ask someone the question, can you just sit with me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I feel like that's so common in our entire lives, but especially in times when we're going through something hard. Um, In my case, it was chronic pain that what I really needed was someone just to be physically present with me and know that I wasn't alone in the room or alone with my pain and anxiety and doubts and fears. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's easy to um, want to fix people's problems. Yeah. And, and I got a lot of that in, in the times when I was going through a lot of faith questions and also physical issues. But um, sometimes what what I needed the most was just someone to sit with me and and say, you're not alone and I'm with you. Yeah. Chronic pain and illness is something that I like to place into this category of a living loss. Because often when we think about grief, we associate it with the death of a loved one. Yet we can suffer many losses and different types of grief and chronic pain and illness is one of those. So I'm grateful to have this opportunity to sit with Luana Huska as she talks about the the pain and suffering that she has experienced through chronic pain and illness. So keep listening. And that's, that's so hard. And that's one of the things that um, like when we talk about grief and hurting and pain we we get those um the people who are maybe you know well wishers or people who mean well but it can it can do something to us the griever the one who's hurting the one who's suffering what are some of the things that um if you could just kind of share that some things that people have have said that may that may not have been as helpful as it seemed to them, but it could have been more harmful to you. Mm-hmm. I think I always cringe when people say God has a plan. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it it. I guess it makes me feel like God intended for me to suffer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that one's always 
a little tricky, even though I also want to believe that God is ultimately behind everything and everything will be okay in the end. Mm -hmm. I think saying God has a plan makes it feel like everything has to go in some kind of step-by-step order and some kind of formula for it to make it work. And so it makes me feel sometimes that maybe I've fallen out of God's plan if things don't feel right. (laughs) Don't feel like I'm not feeling God's presence or not hearing from God the way I used to hear from God, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will say, um, you know, everything has a purpose. That's one that also is like, well, what if I can't figure out that purpose? Right. Um, And maybe there is. I guess it's just when people try to jump too quickly to the um, the thing that makes you feel better. Right, exactly. Instead of um, giving you the time and space to be in in the pain and in the grief and the uncomfortable spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are some great examples. And, and certainly some that I've heard of myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, you know, people, it's easy for them to want to help, like they want to help, but I think it's because of our culture who wants to jump to get well, be healed, their feet to the pavement, keep running, you know, right? Um, Right. And that's just, in reality, it's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to take that time, that space to sit in some of the hard places. And so um, I want you to kind of take us um, through your story a bit, and then we can kind of chat through um, some of the things from from your book as well. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm 35 now. So when I was 22 or so, I was right out of college and started having chronic ankle pain and um, went to a lot of different doctors, got a little, lot of different diagnoses and tried a lot of different treatments, but the pain just kept going. And for me as a, a young person, that was really frustrating because I really wanted to get back to my life. And I felt like this was an interruption to my life. And I prayed for healing and asked people to pray for me and uh, wasn't getting the kind of healing I was expecting. And that really led to a faith crisis because I just assumed that if I had enough faith or did it the right way, prayed the right way, that God would heal me. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from a lot of teachings some of them false within our churches and and also a lot of assumptions within our society of what what healing means and what it means to have a good life a purposeful life yeah and so i was having a really hard time matching my my reality with what i expected out of my life mm-hmm. and um wasn't finding really satisfactory answers in the church. I uh, I really um, had enjoyed being in my body up to then. Uh, it's just a source of joy and connection for me. So to have part of my body that didn't work and was causing me pain was, was really challenging. And 
I was seeking answers for how um, how I could still be in pain, but still experience Jesus as a healer um, and how to still have meaning in my life. But a lot of times the answers I was getting or the kind of responses people gave me were to ignore my body, to say things like you're, you're fine, you know, you can still minister to people and you can still pray for people at night when you're waking up at night because you're in so much pain. And there's um, basically the message was you can just ignore your body because your body isn't really that important to your spiritual life. Like your spiritual life is all these other things that are separate from your body. And I felt intuitively that that wasn't true, but I couldn't find the words to kind of articulate that at the moment. So this book was kind of a, a journey for me to begin to explore and articulate why it was important that I still stay connected with my body and how our bodies are still part of our our spiritual lives, even when they're in pain and and we're experiencing suffering in our bodies. Gosh, your story. I love um, when you, you talk about your book and how you said in writing it, it was like exploring all these these things and these questions that you had. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like even, you know, as I was writing my book, it's the same thing, <laughs> you know, similar. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, how can, you know, sitting in so much grief <laughs> and even, you know, having those prayers of, you know, Lord, I thought you was going to heal my sister or my dad, you know, coming to almost, you know, a crisis of faith and, trying to um, reconcile like mm-hmm. almost like this gap in, in what, what I've been taught, what, I, you know, mm-hmm. um, what I've seen, you know, healings and other people, those type things. And then what reality mm-hmm. is, it was trying to reconcile all those things that was so challenging. And sometimes mm-hmm. it still is, but like, as you were saying in writing your book, you we're kind of discovering, um, for you, mm-hmm. how to connect your body with spirit, which um, just in reading your words, they were challenging to me because I believe some of that same teaching <laughs> that you mentioned mm-hmm. in your book. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've kind of walked a, a path of challenging some of those teachings from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about some of that because people may not be privy to have read your book yet, um, hurting mm-hmm. yet more. And so let's kind of talk about, um, let's kind of dive into healing and and yeah. um, our expectations of what healing is. But yeah, what does healing really look like? And then kind of mm-hmm. what or what do we see in culture and maybe even taught in church that challenges when we actually are praying for healing for ourselves or we're going through, um, as you mentioned, you, you know, a chronic illness or chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot to unpack yeah. for sure. Um, so when I thought about healing, when I first started praying for healing, I thought about it as like going back to normal and, and then, of course, the word normal also has a lot of different meanings, yeah. but um, I, I just assumed that God designed my body to work 
properly and to not have pain and not have disease and and whatever like dysfunctions it was having and so for me i was praying that i would not be in pain and i would just be healthy and be able to do all the things i wanted to do and of course that didn't happen so um i i either could assume that well then maybe I'm not doing it right, or maybe God doesn't want to heal me, or maybe God isn't the healer that he um, says he is in the Bible. So those are all things that people start to question, right, when um, we pray for things and they don't turn out as we expect them to. And um, so then I started to kind of question, well, maybe some of the ideas I have about healing um aren't (laughs) aren't what god has in mind for me as much as i really wanted to not be in pain and so um i started to think a little bit more about what um going back to the story of creation what it actually says about our bodies and um i found some really helpful you know theology about um kind of taking apart the idea that all of our um, illness and pain has to do with sin um, and that that is like part of the brokenness of our world. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a really challenging idea because I think that's very common to think that it's all, it all has to do with sin. Um, Even if it's not our own personal sin, just like the sin of humanity. Um, But I think like having that idea, or that belief kind of led me to feel like um, that I I was like resisting what was going on in my body because I was like, this isn't the way it should be. And I, I need it to not be this way. And, um, and that, that kind of prevented me from accepting the situation I was in. And, um, and I think the journey of learning to accept that, like my body was going through this process, and it wasn't necessarily a bad process, like just to kind of accept what is, um, led me back to the creation story. So what I, um, what really helped me was just the, in, you know, in, in the creation story, God says, uh, everything is good, (laughs) but good doesn't mean perfect. Yeah. And, um, good means like, it's beautiful. It's worthy. It has a purpose. And what I kind of realized through like thinking about that more is that like the purpose of my body is not to like function at this like high level, however that's defined Mm. and at this normal level by society. And it's often very cultural. It has to do with, you know, the advertising and these narratives that, that we have that are very human made. But the purpose of my body is to relate to others and to connect me to other people and to God and to creation. And so I was still able to live purposefully in my body, even though it was suffering and things weren't going as I wanted them to. So that was one of the big um, kind of shifts for me as I thought about healing. And also just um, questioning again, as I already kind of mentioned, what is really 
be normal. Mm -hmm. um, realizing that a lot of those things that we think of as beautiful or normal um, often come from um, just cultural expectations. Yeah. And that there's really a range of um, different abilities and different levels of functioning that we have throughout, you know, being a human. And we often think the default is being able-bodied and healthy, but we can see like through people with disabilities and in the aging process that we're all on the spectrum and we're kind of going in and out of different levels of ability and health and that that's part of being human. It's not something that we need to like prevent. Right. Um, we're not doing something wrong if, and, or like, like something's not off about our spiritual lives and our connection with God. If we are in a spot of pain and suffering. Yes. That Those is the big things that I, I took away from that period. Yeah. I love that so much because that's so important. And I'm so glad you shared that um, because so many depending on their background or what they've heard and seen can believe that because they're hurting, it's because, you know, they've done something wrong or that God doesn't care about them or, um, or they don't have, or they have, don't have enough faith, you know, and it's not the mm -hmm. case. So I love how you bring that out so beautifully in, in your words now and in your book as well. Um, I love, um, this idea of, well, one, I love that your husband is a fellow, I'm a fellow engineer. And so you have a part mm -hmm. in your book that talks about questions. Um, it's practical questions, mm -hmm. actually, that's concerning medical help. And I wanted to share this with the um, our listeners, because I feel like sometimes we, we get into these um these time frames and seasons where we don't have any pra anything practical to do. Tell us a little bit, and I'll, I'll share these questions, and then um, maybe you can just tell us a little bit of like the um, like how these questions came about, like okay. the maybe the story of surrounding these questions. So, um, mm -hmm. your husband is an engineer, and he has these questions when it comes to deciding on medical assistance or going to the doctor and it says you you consider like what is the cost what what are the chances it will work how much will our life improve if it works would undergoing treatment bring more stress than the problem itself are there any other ways we want to use the money and then what if we do nothing so these are questions and and they're hard when we're mm -hmm. desperate for relief but I love that you include these practical things as well, um, because, you know, we as Christ followers, you know, we 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 believe and we pray. But what are some practical things that we can do as we're walking this thing out day by day? And so mm -hmm. can you just kind of talk about how those questions came about? Yeah, sure. Well, when I was first in pain, my biggest priority was just to not be in pain. Yeah. So I was really desperate to do everything I could at whatever expense to go back to normal. And that led me to doing a lot of treatments out of desperation and fear and fear of what might happen. I didn't keep working on the problem. Um, and 
I think a lot of it had to do with this, this um, kind of perception that we have that kind of medicine can fix yeah. everything and we just need to find the right thing. And um, my husband, he's very practical and he, as an engineer, uh, he's always trained to like consider all the options and even the option of doing nothing as a possibility. So um, even though I was kind of frustrated when he was like, wait, is that really that kind of out there treatment? Like what chances of it are there that it's going to actually work? And then if even if it does work, how much improvement would you really see? And what is the cost? Like, is it really worth the stress of going through this thing? I had, like, I had this one treatment where they were injecting like uh, sh a sugar solution into my ankle which to, to like inflame it again and try to like restart the healing process. But it involved like the guy injecting like tens of, okay. you know, there's like tons of pokes <laughs> into yeah. my ankle. I would say like 20 or 30, you know, injections. So um, and it didn't do much, you know, but at the time I was like, I don't care. I'll just try anything. So yeah. I think when, when we have this sense that medicine will fix it, we just need to throw as much money at it as we can. Mm -hmm. um, and then realizing, and it's also a very American thing yeah. too, right? True. That, that we'll get, if we just have enough money and resources, we can fix the problem. Yeah. And to realize that uh, that wasn't the case. Um, was really hard because it meant that I really had no control over it and I just had to sit with the the feeling of being not in control and and waiting which is a really yeah. hard thing especially yeah. um, in our American culture because so many things are so easy like we expect our internet to just come yeah. up and you know we don't want to wait even five seconds for something to load because it's just way too long um, so true. we have so many expectations of how long things will take and how easy things will be for us that really got challenged by that this process yeah i almost feel like just in hearing um the story behind it is if questions like these help us to slow down mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah yeah i think we're so so quick to jump to fixing and um some of this the deepest spiritual transformation comes mm -hmm. when we don't jump right away to the solution, but we stay in the that space where we are really reckoning with our humanity and our vulnerability and 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 seeing that as like that is the human condition, like not this other illusion where we're just all together and put together and we got it all under control. That's not like the real humanity. And and I think that that's one of the things that in my book I really wanted to stress is that that spot where we're not, where we're slowing down and we're just like looking at like who we really are as human beings in the face that we are vulnerable to all this loss and, and it can come at any moment. And it's really scary because you just feel like, wow, all these things I did in all my life to prevent these things from happening did not prevent them from happening. So it, it can really shake your sense of self. But um, I think to realize that um, those places are actually the places where we see God and where we um, experience um, connection with others, like the kind of like dependency on other people in community that God designed us for. 
um, and that we wouldn't be able to if we were constantly on the move and, and fixing our problems and just moving about with our, our plan for our life. Like those interruptions are actually the places where God meets us and, and just shows us who he is and who we are. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's so powerful and it's so needed. And I love this conversation because um, we don't hear enough of this, you know, um, because we do see... Um, loss and grief and pain and suffering as interruptions to our life. Like, you know, if this wouldn't happen, then I would be, you know, happy and, you know, just life will be grand and great. And, Mm -hmm. um, but if we read our Bible and we really study the scriptures, that's not what this life is about because of all the way back in Genesis, the fall, you know, and sin. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I mentioned in my book as well. And mm-hmm. it, it seems so simple to say sin is the problem. And some people will look at that because they're hurting so bad and say, oh, you know, that doesn't really help me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's challenging to bring these conversations um, about and to just kind of help people become more aware of um this is where we find who God is. This is where we reestablish mm-hmm. who his character, what his character is like, and really truly see God. And like you saying, being vulnerable and mm-hmm. um, seeing our true humanity and knowing that we're not in control <laughs> mm-hmm. of, of our lives. So um, mm-hmm. I want to read this, that you, you, t- you talk about Shalom. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that word, you know, the first thing I think of is peace, you know, mm-hmm. you think of, um, but you've kind of unpacked it. Um, as you were saying, it was the closest word found in the Bible to mean health mm-hmm. and, and wholeness, completeness, well-being. Um, and then this quote from John Swinton, a disciple scholar, which says, Shalom is not the absence of illness disease or disability, it has to do with the presence of God. Healing always has first and foremost to do with connecting and reconnecting people to God. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. The idea of health, right, as um, again, as like being absent of disease as, as being some like medically defined standard of uh functionality um, that can kind of put people on this track where that's what they're seeking is um, just to be rid of the problem. And so I really appreciated finding John Swinton's definition of health as more of the presence of God. And I I would also say like the presence of other people and, and being connected in community Uh, as this more holistic definition of health that isn't so much about just me and what I'm feeling or not feeling in my body, but 
more about um, like how my wellness is connected to my community and also to to the planet i would say too because mm -hmm. i think what we're, we're seeing all over the world is that you know all these natural disasters are affecting yeah. us and the things that we put in the air and the water affect us and so if we're not thinking about health in all these layers not just the individual's experience but all also the individual within a community and the individual within their ecosystem within this like society that functions well then we're not really addressing it in in a way that will lead to lasting well-being we're only addressing it in this little right. you know little tiny portion if we're only thinking about one person's health as what we're solving mm -hmm. i love that as well and it kind of moves us into um, you have a portion, and and maybe you can you can give us some um, ways that you've done this, and then ways that um, possibly those who are listening can do this. But embracing our limits mm -hmm. and embracing our invincibility and our vulnerability as being mm -hmm. key to becoming whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... That was another big struggle was to realize that the fact that I I couldn't walk, you yeah. know, it was like so limiting. And uh, like to me, it was a bad thing because it was like the things that I couldn't do. And I was so focused on that. Um, but I, I was just realizing that that is just, again, part of who we are as human beings. Like we live in bodies, we have bodies. And that means that we're not gonna be able to be everywhere at once. And we can only live within a certain temperature because that's what our bodies were designed for. Yeah. We can't never sleep. We can't like constantly be doing things all the time. We need rest. We need time to do nothing. Yeah. And that's all really hard as, as someone who has been socialized to um, to to feel like overcoming our limits is the good thing. Yeah. Um, and even within you know the church community, that can also be kind of a, a an expectation that um, oh you might have this or that ailment, but the goal is to keep doing what you're doing. And that's how God kind of like shows up for you is that despite this yeah. thing, I can still do this. And it does set up this, this culture where we're constantly trying to do more than, mm -hmm. than we can um, and pushing our limits. And it, it's really hard to go in the opposite direction. It's really countercultural to say instead we're going to embrace our limits because that's what, um, that's what makes us human. Right. And then that's what allows us to, again, receive help from other people to, to understand God as, as um, being sufficient for us, even when we aren't sufficient. Um, and to be able to, yeah, to be able to just be fully human. Um, yeah. As, as being limited human beings. So yeah, I, the, practical ways that I've done that. Um, 
I think in, in this whole, um, you know, journey of chronic illness is realizing that I, I can't push my body more than my body wants to go. Um, and uh, I have to stop and I have to um, really build in times of rest mm. um, and to recognize the signals that my body's giving me. I think I'm getting better at that <laughs> than I, I used to be. Um, you know, whether that's like a headache or something's hurting more than it normally hurts. Um, or even just like this, the feeling of like, like just like listening to like if my body's or just like internally, I'm saying I don't want to do that thing. Like somebody's oh. asking me to do something. I, I okay. often want to say yes, because it's just so like as a people pleaser, it's, right. like, <laughs> yeah. it's like just how we're socialized and to say no is really hard, but mm -hmm. like learning to say no more has been yeah. really helpful for me. And those are all ways that I'm just honoring, like this is maybe it's a season or maybe that's just like, that's how my body is or how I'm recognizing that that's just my capacity and it's not beyond that. Those have all been really healthy and healing ways for me to um, just just honor who I am. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of touch on because um, you mentioned community a few times and um, just talk about how community, again, can add to the type of healing or wholeness that we mm -hmm. can experience as um, as we're walking through. Um, like a pain or suffering or a chronic illness? Mm -hmm. What role does community play? Just gonna, I was thinking about this story today um, when I was having um, some of my worst pain, like a mm -hmm. couple of years into uh, this chronic pain, because I, I started in my ankle, but then as I was walking differently, it yeah. also kind of went up my whole spine. So my back was hurting and we were we were moving, um, so but I wasn't really able to clean the apartment up because I was in so much pain. So some friends came over and they helped us to clean the house. And it was really hard for me to sit on the side and watch them do the work because I'm I am a doer and I, I like to get things done. So I was that was just one example of the ways yeah. that. Um, being um, being able to recognize my limits and to be honest about where I was and communicating that to other people allowed them to step in and be community for me and um, and opened up this space of, of vulnerability and connection and, and interdependence. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that I um, have tried to name to in the book and in, in my journey is that even though we don't as we're going through hard times and that and things that um, may be limiting, um, that doesn't mean we don't have gifts to offer to other people. Like we have gifts to offer and they have gifts to offer us. And a lot of times we tend to see um, people who are kind of in a place of suffering as people that we minister to and they have nothing to offer and we're just there to, to help them and maybe fix their problem. and and get them past this, but yeah. um, that there are a lot of gifts that people who are suffering have to offer or people who are experiencing pain or limits um, have to offer. Mm -hmm. And those might be um, 
just slowing down, as you mentioned, like causing other people to slow down too and, and ask like the big questions that we all have in life or are just experiencing time differently because we're not, we kind of have been pushed off the, the rat race, yeah. whether we like it or not. Um, or just recognizing, naming that, um, that vulnerability is like really part of our human condition. So those are all gifts that we can offer. So um, I think when we are able to lean into those, those hard, uncomfortable spaces, we're able to experience a, a deeper kind of giving and taking and, and that, um, that sense of community that we were made for. Mm -hmm. I love you mentioning that because I've actually experienced that in the past, like several times and even heard of other people experiencing when they go to quote unquote minister to someone, even someone who's terminally mm -hmm. ill, they, they mm -hmm. walked and said, you know, I went to minister to them, but th I left with so much more. They ended up ministering to me. And it's so, it's so crazy because I never thought about, yeah, those, you know, I, I never looked at it that way. Like they have, they still mm -hmm. have gifts to offer. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's, that is powerful. That is so powerful. Yeah, we, we need those, those people um, who are, I, one of the books that I read um, uh, uh, named it as like, this is a, a doctor who worked with like terminally ill cancer patients. And she, she talked about these people as being kind of on the margins of life and, and maybe they're on the margins of our church mm -hmm. and they're the people that go up in the aisles to get prayed for. Mm -hmm. And we see them kind of as like, not really central to the life of the community, but but they are really yeah. central because they kind of break open within mm -hmm. us that space where we can be more receptive to, to others and to God and to experience time differently. So yeah, like you said, those are really powerful moments mm -hmm. when we can enter those spaces with, with people who are suffering. Yeah. Gosh, that is so beautiful. I want to read this quote from your book. It says, our suffering has the power to bring us into the innermost holy of holies with Jesus, where we join it, where we, where we join in um, to his hand and it takes on new meaning. And then you say, what is most comforting to me as I read the gospels is not that Jesus explains the meaning um, of our suffering or that my pain makes sense in God's cosmic economy, it's that Jesus knows my suffering intimately and is here with me. And that is just so powerful as well. Um, so let's kind of end or kind of talk through this as we kind of close how Jesus knows our suffering. I think the question I really wanted answered at the beginning was the why question. Yeah. Like, why am I going through this? Um, and then... And a lot of different people around me and friends and prayer partners and ministers helped me to see that like the more important questions are like the who and the how. Mm. Um, so like who is God to me? And that again is where the and who am I going to become as a result of this thing that I'm going through. And and that's where it's it's so powerful to know that um our God isn't one that 
is separate and stayed at some disconnected level while we're here in in our bodies on the earth going through all of this mess um, another quote that I really love is from Corey Ten Boom, who helped Holocaust, mm-hmm. um, helped um, like Jewish people in the Holocaust. Yeah. And I think this is from her sister. And they were like in a concentration camp at the time. And she she said that there's no pit that's so deep that God's love is not deeper still. So that I think is the most powerful message of the gospel is that that God is with us in our suffering, even if we might not know why it's happening. Um, But like, who is God to me? God is the one who is nearer to me than my breath. And that, that this is the rock that I'm standing on is God's presence and God's love, not this idea that I'm going to get better or that I have have to do these things and then I'll get better. Um, It, it's just that he's here now and that I can experience that connection with God now. Um, and then the other question that has been helpful um, besides asking why all the time is also asking how, like, like how am I going to live now? Um, you know, how am I going to treat people? Um, yeah. How is God going to show up for me in this moment? That's so good. Yeah. So I want, um, if you could, what encouragement would you leave or can you leave for those who are listening that they're walking through um, this season? And I say season, but it could, it can be what life, what life is, is right now for them. They don't know, they don't see an ending to it. You know, they are Mm -hmm. walking through um, chronic pain, illness, um, just suffering. What kind of encouragement could you leave with them? Um, those who feel hopeless and have a different idea of healing, like I, I, w- I just want this to be gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that made me most depressed when I was in the middle of that, like not just the pain, the physical pain, but the emotional pain that came with it of just like really resisting. Like, this is not what my life is meant to be. I just got to get over this and then it'll be, I'll be back to my normal life is, um, it's like feeling like this was going to be the way it was forever. Um, like, I think I do that a lot. I don't know if um, other people do, but you kind of like feel like you're in this bad situation and you can't imagine how it's going to be any different, especially if the outward circumstances look like they're going to stay the same. And so you can't even imagine like, how am I ever gonna not feel like I don't wanna get out of bed in the morning and have any different emotions towards life. And um, I think as I just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other and waking up in the morning and just like taking a deep breath and saying, okay, God, I'm gonna just like live just this day and and I'll get to the next day is that it does change. even if the outward situation doesn't change, like things change internally and um, you find, you know, spiritual resources and like just like the will to live and the ability to keep going that, that I think does come from God, the giver of life that allows you to see things in a new perspective and it might take time and you might be, you might feel like this is just this long tunnel that goes on forever, but 
things start to look different after a while. I, I know that like my pain didn't get better right away. Eventually it did, but even before it did, uh, I was just able to adjust. And I think that's just a, like a God-given gift that we adjust to our new reality and we start to find things that are meaningful and funny and exciting to do. And um, yeah, it just, we find life-giving things like in the moment. Um, that we're in. Um, so that is that is really helpful to me to realize like this is not going to stay the same, yeah. even if it's really hard right now. And I feel like I just can't bear it. Um, it's not going to be this way tomorrow. It's not going to be this way the next day. Like every day is a little different. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I had one more thing that I wanted to ask as you were, um, as you were talking. Um, oh, how are you doing these days? Like, what is life like in the present for you? Yeah, um, I'm doing well. I uh, I had about three or four years where I like wasn't able to walk very much and was just super depressed and anxious and all of those things that come along with um, that kind of a, a health change. Um, but I did eventually get better and, and I can't really explain it like there were some therapies that helped I also got pregnant so I, I think a lot of things changed in my body um, but I, I can't really explain it but I am able to walk now and I'm so grateful sometimes I I'm just taking a hike and I'm like wow I can walk and I wasn't able to you know and it was like the thing I wanted the most in life just to be able to take a walk so I'm I'm so grateful to be able to have most of my mobility back and I still have, you know, different like ongoing pain issues that come from that season where things aren't fully better. And I'm expecting, again, I'm not expecting to go back to that normal that I, I was in before. And I, I think I have a lot more resources now and a lot more kind of wisdom about how to confront those situations where I'm suddenly in an acute episode of of pain. Um, again, realizing, oh, this is not going to be this way forever. I have like so much help and support from people. I have all these different remedies that I know have sort of helped me in the past that I can kind of go to and lean on. Um, so all of that has, has really helped. And I'm, and I'm just constantly in, you know, kind of in an evolving relationship with God, realizing that, um, you know, I have perceptions about who God is and how God works and lots of things in my life are going to come up against that and show me new aspects of who God is. And I think just being open to that and, and being willing to continually dialogue with God and, and allow our perspectives to change and not get stuck in like, well, this is who I thought God was. So if he's, if he's not acting that way, then I don't know what to do, but just to like be in constant communication and, and openness is, has been really helpful to me. Oh, I love that. I love your story. I'm so glad that you're doing well. Um, I'm thankful for the wisdom that you've gleaned and gained through just that time and season that you were in, just to be able to help others, to help me, to help others who are experiencing, you know, times of suffering. And um, I so enjoyed this conversation with you. And thanks so much for sitting with me, Lauren. Thank you, Natasha. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation with Luann Huska on sitting with chronic pain and illness. 
Find helpful resources from this episode in the description, including my book, Can You Just Sit With Me? Healthy Grieving for the Losses of Life, and Luann's book, Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. Be sure to share, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. Thanks again for sitting with me. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.